It's 7.45. That means it's time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrow from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are, are you? prepared for the last holiday weekend of the summer? <laughs> I, th- I think so, although, uh, as I mentioned earlier this morning on the air, uh, it's because of the strange times. I don't know if this feels like Labor Day weekend. Do, do well, it sure doesn't, because you know what runs today is the Kentucky Derby. Ah. Usually a, a wonderful May event. Now we're having it as a September event. And that'll be kind of fun. You know, every year I rehash mint juleps. Uh, mint julep is a wonderful drink. And, you know, we're very fortunate in Minnesota. Mint is practically a weed here. It grows copiously wherever you plant it. And it makes for wonderful drinks, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the bootleg at the various country clubs and, the, and then mojitos are popular here. But a mint julep really started all this trend. And a mint julep is nothing more than bourbon, simple syrup, and uh, mashed uh, mint leaves. And it really, you know, when you're at the Kentucky Derby, I've been fortunate enough to be down there for two or three derbies over the years. And it's great fun to have one. Um, It's a wonderful drink, and it's a terrific tradition. So today, if you're going to be at home watching the derby, you might want to make yourself a mint julep. It's simple, four ingredients, mint leaf, bourbon, simple syrup, and crushed ice. And usually it's served in either a pewter or a silver, like a stirrup cup, they're called. They almost look like a a, a tiny uh, on-the-rocks glass or in Italy where they give you those little bitty glasses to drink out of in a lot of the countryside restaurants. It's a wonderful tradition. And, of course, mint juleps vary from person to person. Uh, in normal times at the Kentucky Derby, they, uh, the two days of the Derby, Friday and Saturday, they go through 150,000 mint juleps. Uh, they won't be doing that this year, that's for sure. But there will be a few people having them, and they're a wonderful drink to have. And like I say, simple syrup is nothing more than a saturated solution of hot water and sugar, equal parts of each. In other words, if you're making a cup of it, a cup of granulated sugar, a cup of hot water, mix them together, that's your simple syrup. Then take a a mortar and a pestle or a blender or something and a couple of big handfuls of mint, uh, mash those all up, put them in the simple syrup, and you put approximately... uh, one and a half ounces of uh, bourbon to about uh, one ounce of the simple syrup that has the mint in it. Pour it over crushed ice and garnish it with a mint leaf. And I guarantee you, you'll enjoy the Kentucky Derby that much more with a mint julep in your hand than you will without it. Uh, it mint juleps have a wonderful history, particularly in this country, Henry Clay. Uh, introduced it to the Willard Hotel in Washington when he was uh, a senator. And uh, actually, there are referrals to the mint julep that go back uh, predating our American Revolution. Uh, It wasn't a big mainstay at the uh, Kentucky Derby or Churchill Downs until after Prohibition. And then in about 1937, uh, they decided to offer these mint juleps, and whoever would have dreamt it would have become such a phenomenon. But I guarantee you, you'll enjoy the derby that much more if you have a mint julep in your hand 
to watch your favorite horse cross over that finish line. Uh, the other thing I thought we'd talk about today a little bit is questions online. I get so many questions once in a while, we take a few minutes and answer them all. Uh, why do people slurp wine? Well, they aren't really slurping wine. What they're doing is aerating that wine uh, to make it more pro- more easy to evaluate. So you aren't really slurping. And then oftentimes you draw a little air over your tongue. That helps your olfactory operate uh, as you draw the air over that wine that's in your mouth. So it isn't really slurping. Of course, if somebody does that with every sip of wine they have, find yourself a new companion. But to do it once in a while, there's nothing wrong with that. Another one pest question I get all the time, I have a horrible red wine stain uh, on my white couch or my white carpet. Or, uh, what do I do about it? There, I don't often tout products, but there is a product called Wine Away that's citrus-based uh, wine stain remover. It's the most incredible thing I have ever seen in my life. If you want to get a red wine stain out, get yourself some Wine Away. It's about... I think four or five dollars for a pint, uh, and it comes in a, a aerosol thing. You spray that on, and maybe even two or three applications, and then uh, just clean it off. And uh, it's just—I can't say enough nice things about it. It's called Wine Away, and it removes any wine stain from anything, no matter how delicate the fabric is or whatever. And like I say, because it's citrus-based, it has a wonderful aroma. To it, which is kind of interesting, and uh, you know, it, do, it doesn't smell like a lot of cleaners smell so antiseptic. It has this refreshing lemon lime smell to it. What about chilling wines? Well, what about it? Uh, when it's summer and it's hot, all wines should be chilled a bit. Uh, to have wine at room temperature never means to have wines at uh, 80 or 85 degrees uh, if it's a warm day. Uh, red wines are served best at about 65 to 68 degrees. White wines about 45 to 50 degrees. Uh, a good rule of thumb is to put the white wine in the refrigerator for about 20 minutes or put it in a bucket of ice with water. If you put a wine in just a plain bucket of ice, It'll take forever to chill it. What you need is that water to help transfer the chilling effect of the ice to the bottle itself. Uh, The ice itself takes a long time. When you put water in the ice bucket and make it so the bottle can go down to the bottom of the ice bucket and then spin it around in there, uh, no more than 10 minutes that wine is at a perfect temperature. drinking temperature, and then there's, of course, a million gadgets you can buy, but I don't recommend you do that unless you want to buy something. Sometimes these sleeves are very handy to have if you're taking a wine to a picnic area and there's no refrigeration. They're little freezer sleeves. They slip on the outside of the bottle, and when you slip one on those and take it on your picnic, it guarantees uh, that your wine is nice and cold when you're ready to drink it. How come red wine makes my mouth feel dry and white wine doesn't? Well, that's really a good question and an interesting observation. The difference, of course, is tannin. And red wines have much more tannin than white wine. And uh, that comes from the skins and the pips and the stems that are 
in the red wine at the onset, and when they take those all out, they still leave in the tannins. Tannins also what makes a wine last a long time. So it isn't a bad thing, uh, but that's what makes your mouth feel so dry. And uh, is part of the ability for red wines to age comes from those tannins. So tannin is not a bad thing. It's kind of a good thing. Uh, where's the best value wine coming from these days? Well, the one that's in your hand is probably a good one to start with. But today, there's so many great values in the wine world. It's just incredible to me. Winemaking has become uh, a real, genuine science, and people have embraced it all over the globe. So you can get wines from Spain that 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought of drinking because it was pure plonk, not very good, because it was the way it was made. Today, they're very sophisticated. Everybody has stainless steel. Uh, no one's wines go over the hill if they're halfway decent winemakers, etc. So the wines that are available are really very good. And like I say, they come from everywhere, from Spain, Italy, Chile, uh, Argentina, uh, the United States. Uh, there's a glut of wine around the world. And believe me, I have never seen in my career in the wine business as many great values as there are today in the world of wine. So these value wines are everywhere just for the asking. Uh, Cabernet from Chile is a real bargain, everyday drinkable wine. You can get a Malbec from Argentina. I don't know how you can do it. Bring that cork and bottle and boxes and all that all the way from Argentina and be able to sell a Malbec for around 10 or $11. And, and the wine is terrific. It's hard to find a bad Malbec, in my opinion. And there are great wines, incidentally, for barbecue. That Malbec seems to go so very well with that sweet, hot sauce that you find on barbecue ribs. Uh, It's just absolutely a terrific wine, and and it's one of the great wine values in the world. Should I decant wine? Well, frankly, every wine benefits from decanting. Decanting is nothing more than aerating the wine. And another good thing that that decanting does, it takes the histamines out of the wine. They expire into the air. I don't recommend anybody who has histamine allergies to be the one that decants it. But if someone else will decant that wine two or three times, the histamines totally dissipate. Uh, And uh, so I, I recommend decanting wine. Yes, I do. Uh, I don't think you have to do it all the time, particularly when we think about, <coughs> excuse me, wines. Wines, you know, are a wonderful thing. And everybody says, what proper age should I drink the wine? Well, about over 90% of the wine that's made in the world is drunk the year it's made. So when we're talking about aging wine, we're talking about about 10% of the wines from around the world. So the younger, often, the better. Now, that's not to negate uh, aging wines. I love aged wines. We had a bottle of Becherville that was 15 years old the other night, 2005. Becherville is a Bordeaux uh, from Saint-Julien, a wonderful wine. We had it with rack of lamb, and I'm telling you, you knew God was in heaven and all was right with the world when you had that sip of that wonderful Becherville. But the fact of the matter is, 
that isn't an ordinary everyday wine. And for ordinary everyday wine, little Cote de Rhone, California Cabernet, Chile Merlot uh, are all very good, and they're very, very modestly priced. So uh, aged wine isn't that big a deal. I think it's kind of tragic. Somebody will say to me, oh, my grandmother died or my great-aunt Bess died, and we went to her house, I found this wonderful bottle of 60-year-old leaf brown milk. Well, uh, it, it probably isn't even good to put on salad dressing. Uh, <laughs> the, the wine was never meant to age like that, to be that old. It's unique that they have it, but the bottle is probably worth more to an antique collector than what's inside the bottle. So really, for all intents and purposes, you should uh, drink wine rather young. The other one is, how about wine as an investment? Well, I tell everybody that asks me about that, it's a great investment if you plan to liquidate that investment at your own dining room table. Wines, <coughs> people invest in wine, maybe one in a thousand actually makes any money on it. So it is a very, very poor investment. Uh, you're far better off to invest in other things other than wine because, uh, as I said, it's just the type, type of investment, in my opinion, that's made to be liquidated right at home in your very own dining room. And that's not so bad either. Not at all. Another question came, I go to Europe a couple times a year, and the wine there never bothers me. Wine gives me a headache here. What's the difference? There is no difference. I'm sorry to inform you, no difference at all. What you're seeing there is you're on holiday, you just don't care, you're relaxed, etc., it has nothing whatsoever to do with wine. The wine you drink in Europe is the exact same wine. There is no difference whatsoever in what you get in a bottle in a store in the United States and what you had in Europe. But anyhow, where can we find all there, this, Jack? You can. I was just going to get to that. Uh, come and see the folks at Askew. We love to talk about wine. We'll be happy to pair any food you have with any kind of wine. And you know what? I'll pair that food with something that doesn't cost very much. A fun thing to do is to try our 6 for 60, where you get six bottles of wine for $60, and you have <coughs> excuse me, a nice selection. There's an Askell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Askell's in Bloomington, Excelsior, Faribault, right off of 35. Our super seller in Maple Grove is great. In Minneapolis, uh, there's free parking on Saturday and Sunday. Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, we do deliver, and we also have curbside pickup. Fantastic. Jack, have a great Labor Day weekend. We'll talk next week. Denny, you too. Thank you.